Hello and welcome to the Free Associates. Oh yes, my friends, freedom. The freedom of association and the freedom to associate or free, freely associate or free associate. Now, my kids are stalking me in the yard just over to the left. There's no telling when they might just press their faces against the glass. It could happen at any time, folks. And we are in day 76 of snow day quarantine, and it is awesome, let me tell you. It's just great. I'm having the best time. It's just tremendous. Anyway, and the free associates, you might be listening on WMUA Amherst. You might be on our Facebook Live page. In any case, we welcome you, welcome you, welcome you. We have our own website, just recently redesigned, called thefreeassociates.us. We have podcasted across the known universe, and what we truck in is perhaps you could say moderate speech, or not speech, moderate speech, but just moderation. We're not interested in political minutia. We're looking for a middle path, a way and out of all the problems that we might have. Now, it is time to hypnotize my friend on the other side of this. Wait, now it's hard again. Oh, I got you now, Waylon. Close. That, there you no, go. You're mine now. You're mine. Yeah. Waylon, Waylon is hypnotized, and he is totally going to be moderate, and he's going to believe everything I say. And boom, Waylon, how you doing, pal? Good. How's it going, man? Well, like I said, you know, being a father of a four-year-old during this situation is not easy, but he's a lovely kid. And I was telling uh, Waylon before, my kid, Rockwell, he learned how to bike. It took him 10 minutes to learn how to bike. Uh, he's been on a scoot bike for like two years, so it really wasn't a big jump for him. But, I mean, he just rips around corners and everything. So, I'm in that state. You know Yeah, go ahead. When you, told, when you told me that, the thing that was crossing my mind was, is it better that he didn't experience falling slash scrape or whatever? Or is it worse that he didn't experience that? I would say better. But, you know, because if you fall, there's hesitancy to do it again. It's just an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, it is. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting. I was, can if I can jump to my other child, Harper, who's eight. She's been doing this thing where she'll loop around the road a lot and kind of like she'll loop back. And we keep telling her, don't do that. Like, you can't do that. You'll go into traffic. And she's like, dad's doing it. I'm like, well, I'm 50 years old. You know, I've been biking for 40 years or whatever. But, you know, I almost want to pay. I almost want to pay someone to yell at her, you know, because that's how you learn. You know, to like yell like, hey, what are you doing? You almost got... Have you ever seen, have yes. ever seen Arrested Development? Yes. J.J. Walter Weatherman. <laughs> the guy with the arm that yeah, comes yeah. off. <laughs> totally. And that's why you always leave a note. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I've told the lifeguards at the pool, I'm like, you can be as harsh as you want with my kids when it comes to safety. You know, let it rip because they'll listen to... That'll make a much deeper impression than if I say it. If some stranger says it. So I hear what you're saying, you know, it's good to be burned a little bit because it really humbles you. And yes, Rockwell will need to be humbled at a certain point because he is off and running, and my, as is my daughter. And I think that's what happened to me. I can almost remember like doing the exact same thing and some stranger being like, you stupid idiot child. And I was like, you know, that really <laughs> changed, <laughs> yeah. that changed me for a long time. All right. Well, let's speak of change. It's funny you brought that up because that's what we're going to talk about today, right? We're going to talk about change. So you guys who have been following us know that we've been doing a Politico series. We'll probably get off of it soon because we've gone through a lot of these predictions. I was thinking, uh, Waylon, tomorrow I found a great website with just hard data on COVID deaths, etc. But we'll get to that it, it, maybe tomorrow or in the next couple of days. Now, let me read this one. This one is by Matthew Caninetti. 
is a resident fellow at the American Inter Enterprise Institute, and it's called A Change in Our Understanding of Change. Okay. Paradigm shift is amongst the most overused phrases in journalism. Yet the coronavirus pandemic may be one case where it applies. American society is familiar with a specific model of change, operating within the existing parameters of our liberal democratic institutions, mostly free market and society of expressive individualism. But the coronavirus doesn't just attack the immune system. Like the Civil War, Great Depression, and Second World War, it has the potential to infect the foundations of free society. State and local governments are moving at varying and sometimes contrary speeds to address a crisis of profound dimensions. The global economy has entered the opening stages of a recession that has potentially become a depression. Already, large parts of America have shut down entirely. This is, by the way, written like two months ago. Americans have said goodbye to a society of frivolity and ceaseless activity in a flash, and the federal government is taking steps more often seen during wartime. Our collective notions of the possible have changed already. If the danger of the coronavirus poses both to individual health and public health capacity persists, we will be forced to revise our very conception of change. The paradigm will shift. Oh my God, Waylon, I've been trying to say this to you for months. Come on, man. Deal with I don't, it. I, honestly, I have no idea what he's even saying. Like, of course there's change. What, is, what change is he, what, what change is being, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm having trouble drilling down this one. Okay, so I feel like what he's saying is that we talk about change a lot. We talk about paradigm shifts and stuff like that. And I think what he's saying is, you know, every time that someone brings up a paradigm shift, they're really, they're not talking about a paradigm shift. They're talking about like maybe within cellular technology, there's a shift or something. I think what he's saying, and I actually do think it's important. Um, he's saying like, no, 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 no. This is like, you have to really uh, leap out of your imagination almost to be able to comprehend that this perhaps is a shift uh, as profound as any shift has happened before, perhaps. And that the, literally, like the governance that we're used to, all kinds of freedoms we're used to, all of it is on the table and could continue to be on the table. I think that's what he's saying. And, and you know, can I just say this? There was a really good piece. I actually wanted to do this piece with you before. We've talked about it. But there was a really good piece um, in... Uh, that Peter Thiel wrote. Now, Peter Thiel, I don't know if you know him. He's, he's a libertarian. He's definitely conservative. He's a controversial figure, but he's also one of the guys behind PayPal and other things. And like a big Silicon Valley guy. He's probably the only pro-Trump Silicon Valley guy. So I get that he's controversial, but there's this cool part of the book Unwinding where he says there hasn't been a significant piece of technology developed since 1975 in America. It's all design. You know, all of the stuff... Um, the internet? What? No, the internet was there. Touchscreens yeah, were there. Not, yeah, but not the internet, not as we know it, not ubiquitous technology no. that's freely available to the masses. Oh, I know, but those are refinements. The technology is, there's an invention of technology, and then there's widespread adoption of technology. That's sure. how. Well, he, uh, just to be. Oh, sorry. Don't get oh, no, too, no, go ahead. Don't get too ahead. cranky here. I don't think he would just. <laughs> I don't think he would disagree with you. He would say, "Yeah, Waylon." Yeah, right. And that's important. You want to roll it out. You do want to design it. You want to prol proliferate technology. His claim was that there really wasn't any new, big new invention since the mid-70s. Yeah, it was built upon. But he says, you know, Apple's not a technology company. It's a design company. What it does is it, it's designed and sped up and all those things. Technology that was placed in place at Xerox Park in 1975, like touchscreens and 
you know, GUI interfaces and all that. Anyway, I don't, I don't I'm sorry, I don't mean to lead us down like a, a rat hole with it. I guess my point was, and the, the, the point of this article is that there could be a shift so profound that like we're not even really yet talking about it. I guess this is how I felt a little bit sometimes when we've talked about things because you've said, you've expressly said you think things are just in a couple months, people are going to just be go back to, to the way things are. Now we're eight weeks into it. Are you reflecting on that at all? Or you have a different opinion? Yeah, I'm doubling down on that. I, I, I think that it's not only, um, I don't, I, I think that it's not only what is, is going to happen, but what people want to happen. I love, I love the fact that you say, yeah, I've reflected, I'm doubling down. <laughs> it's yeah. usually reflection is a reversal, but, and I think it's to your credit. <laughs> no <way. laughs> I think it's to your credit. It's to your credit. It's why we love you, Waylon, is that you're, when you reflect, you double down. <laughs> yeah, no, no. After careful thought and reflection, I'm right all the time. That's what it is. Because <laughs> he throws all his chips onto the casino board. Uh, I'm you, all in. Push it. Push Push it in. Yeah, no, that's what I, I love that about you. But are you serious, though? I mean, have you not? Let, let's just take a breath here and just get serious. You know, when you were talking that way three or four weeks ago, I was kind of there with you. Now, I'm, doesn't mean I'm not there with you, but it's become less and less clear that things are going to go back to normal. I mean, there's real stuff that argues against that. Yes? Which... Yeah, which which makes my case. I mean, like, okay, let's let's go down some just easy sectors, right? Mm-hmm. So easy sectors, um, man. There's a whole bunch of protesters outside, and they're demanding that they want to get back to their jobs. So the status quo is going to work and going back to your jobs and using those furloughed in, in, employees and bringing them back and, and continuing where we left off there. We just had a conversation about, man, I like why we shouldn't be talking about not going back. I hope we can go back in the fall for education. So the disruption in the educational system, we're saying, please, let's go back, right? The things that we're missing are the things that the status quo has created. And that's why I think that that's what – that rather than a radical change of anything, we're inside of a radical change and we need to, to center ourselves back to where the status quo was. Now, I'm not saying that that's good and I'm not saying that it's bad, but – to just reorient us and align us to where we were before all this, and then we can start moving things and doing various mechanisms in society. You know, um, the thing is, Waylon, is all the things that you're talking about are contingent, or not all of them, but a lot of them are contingent on the fact that people have money to do them. You know, that people can afford to go and do those things that they're used to doing. Um, and my argument is is that a lot of people won't have the money to feed into that part of the economy, which will hurt people across the economy. And a lot of a lot of things that are kind of more elite where people can afford it, they've already canceled. You know, like things are being canceled up and down the line. So people who don't have a lot of money won't be able to afford to go out. And people who can afford to go out. Those institutions have shut down for the summer. You know, that's some major. And then you have a spiraling effect. But- you have a spiral effect. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, we're talking about paradigm shifts here, though. We're talking about things that we are trying to fundamentally change and that COVID is not going to it, – it's lasting impressions after COVID. COVID is, has changed the game. I mean, it's undoubtedly COVID has changed the game. We're talking about things that will be a permanent change in society, whether we willfully try that or whether it's unintentionally that we – don't do this. And I can't see any, I can't envision any of those things 
will we slow? I I think that the one thing that I've changed my mind about is how slowly we're going to ebb back. I still think that we will do that faster it, when we're when the limitations and restrictions are are lifted than most people expect. But I I think that we can't look at the paradigm shift being COVID. We need to look at the paradigm shift being what have we changed drastically and fundamentally as a result of COVID and that has been sustaining afterwards. And I can't see anything. Well, so here's the thing, like, and I don't think I'm articulating it very well, but you know that most businesses run on a pretty thin margin, right? Like a lot of stores, they don't, the, their margin for the year is not that big. So if you knock out five or 10% or even 15% of yeah. that margin, that store starts becoming, an, it has an existential threat against it. Now, it is really conceivable yeah, we're to see, me. We're seeing, yeah. Well, the stores aren't even open. But when they reopen uh, and when the restaurants reopen, if, they're, if their numbers are down kind of like 15% across the board, it's going to be a domino effect. And every time one of those places closes, you have, you know, say a store, you have eight more people who aren't going to go to any other store. Because and then, you know, do you see that that it's kind of like an atom bomb in a way that the atoms start splitting because, yeah, 10 percent, 10, 15 percent down on business for a lot of these places. By the way, retail has been on the ropes for how long, you know, uh, that's enough. It doesn't take that much to shutter a restaurant. It doesn't take that much to shutter a store. Um, And that's my that would be my concern. You know, we have fixed incomes. We get paid no matter what. You know, like we, our lives are not that different, except that we probably work less than we did when we were in school. I mean, you, both you and I wish we were back in school. But so I'm just wondering if you're not seeing that. Now, it could totally be not true, but like it, it's not like 100 percent of the business needs to go away for a company to fail It's or a restaurant or a store. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think the, what we're looking at here is is particularly the service sector. Mm-hmm. There is a solution to all this, albeit I don't agree with that. Manufacturing is down, therefore, it's going to be outsourced to another country. That we've already seen before COVID. That's probably to, to you know reduce the the to reduce the um, damage to the profit margins. You're going to see. You know, unfortunately, businesses go elsewhere in, from manufacturing. You just can't you can't do that on a manufacturing process on on the manufacturing front. What all every all services is is hurting. So because of that, there's going to there's going to be a unilateral relief efforts for the service industry. And service industry is not something that you can outsource. That's not something that you can. But that's the um, biggest can, problem, Waylon. That's the biggest problem. The one thing that we can't yeah. outsource. I think I'm agreeing. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Okay. What we're saying. I'm just saying that there's going to be one more relief. There's going to be undoubtedly uh, stores that go out of business. But that's the name of the game. I mean, that's that's what happens in America, and and that there's going to be a there's going to be a closing of these places, and at the same time, there's going to be other places, other individuals that see ways to use this as a chance to move forward in 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 vacant you know with with the vacancy of a with of a business that's going to undoubtedly in you know in a downtown area let's say northampton that's going to uh reduce the 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 rent of what's of of these places and therefore there's going to be more opportunity couple that with with just different governmental programs that's going to try to revitalize these businesses and there's going to be wherever there is damage and uh, of one place there's also going to be opportunity 
I'm a little optimistic on this, but I, that's what I believe. Yeah, well, I appreciate your optimism. I've told you, I think, before that the Chinese character for chaos is also the same for opportunity, that it's the same pictograph, that they both, that, and I've told my students this, there are opportunities. I don't know if there's opportunities in retail. I get what you're saying. You know, obviously, if half the store is closed, then you would think rent would plummet. However, the people who own these buildings have a certain mortgage yeah. that's not necessarily going to be renegotiated. I want to, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I want to clarify that too. Retail is dead. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about retail. I'm not talking about the yarn store down the street. That's as good as gone because of of the of the um, the the death of of brick and mortar stores. So I'm talking about sir. I'm talking about restaurants. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about kind of interactive uh, places. But retail stores are definitely dead. Well, okay, they so were you, dead you, before this. Well, they weren't dead. So I think that's really important to note that that basically in downtown Northampton and retail, you had, I don't know, can we guess, 300 people working full time, 300 people working full time. Do you think that's a lot of people who now don't have a job and they're not going to get at waiting tables because those those will be even more coveted. That's 300 people and 300 households that are not going to be able to afford to go out who aren't going to buy stuff that's manufactured like a new car or even a used car because they can't. I actually think manufacturing will take a hit. It will just take it second because if people can't afford... I'm starting to scare myself here. You put me in the very uncomfortable position of like drawing drawing a picture for you. Drawing a picture for you that's like really quite cataclysmic. Now, I don't know and you don't know. There are economists who would get my back on this and say Whalen's doesn't know what he's talking about. This The chain reaction on this thing is so vast that it, he just doesn't see it coming. And then there's other economists who would get your back and say... You know, Cody's one of these chicken littles. The sky's always falling. And we've seen before that the sky doesn't fall. In fact, uh, you know, we were due for a recession anyway. I mean, historically due. And so there was that. But I guess I'm asking you, can you, because you're a smart guy, you're a planet money guy, um, 300 people no longer having jobs in retail in just Northampton alone. Now take that number and spread it across the nation. How many millions of Americans work in retail who don't, won't have jobs anymore? What, what are they going to get? Unemployment? You can't get on unemployment and do anything extra with that money. Like that's enough to maybe get by, maybe not. You're not going to go to a restaurant. You're not going to go to a baseball game or a concert. You're not going to buy new clothes. You're not going to do any of it. And that's going to affect manufacturing. That's going to affect the restaurants. I can tell you're starting to break out into a cold sweat here. <laughs> Am I wrong or are you just distracted? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I just don't agree. <laughs> it's just, I just don't agree with it. You don't agree with the, you don't agree with the scenario I'm painting out as being like somewhat relevant, though. I, I think that it's, it, it's not, it's, it's apples and oranges in the sense that there were two different crises: two thousand eight, uh, the two thousand eight housing uh, crisis, and, and this. Those, they're, they're, they're apples and oranges from that, but. There was the same rhetoric being used in the same way of we will never be back to uh, our original selves. Things will drastically change. Not only, and I'm saying this unfortunately because we're talking about legislation that didn't change either. Not only did we uh, not drastically change, we kept on that same, you know, stock market on steroids mentality, which, you know, there's pros and cons of that, but we, we did, did. My question to you is: Did two thousand? Do you think that two thousand eight fundamentally changed the way Americans op, the American economy operates? 
Uh, good question. And the answer is absolutely it did not change it and has set the stage for this to be all the worse because of it. Because interest rates weren't raised. Money has been stayed cheap since 08. You know, the interest rate should be at, should have been at 5% before this started. And what was it at? 1.2? You know, when the interest rate's that low, you can't go anywhere. There's nowhere to go. It's like you can't prime the pump because you can't, you can only go to zero or negative lending. You know, what they should have been doing in the last 10 years was slowly pushing up the federal rate. So when this happened, they could say, all right, we'll drop the rate, rate down to 3%, you know, checking inflation and all these other things. So you're right. You're right. And in fact, I think that actually leads to, to my argument, which is COVID is just is a, a knockout punch on a situation that was really had never been addressed in 08 and really should have been addressed in 08. And now you have, you just have like a, literally a sinkhole under the ground that could, that could open up. I don't want this to happen. This is not, and I don't even really want to be that negative. I hear myself talk and I think I make sense, but I also, I'm not a, a, a gloom, I'm not a doomer. You know, I know people who are doomers. That's not my nature to be a doomer. It just isn't. But I guess, uh, and I do think, if I can say separately, I think a lot of Americans, you know, I'm looking at the two of us on the screen here, like side by side on our Zoom screen. I'm looking at us. And I think a lot of Americans, a lot of the, the fundamental angst between Americans is that some people take are taking stuff way too seriously all the time and the other people aren't taking it seriously enough necessarily. And that this is part of the divide on certain issues. So I'm sitting here trying to convince you why everything is going to go to hell. Why not you do not want to be in that position? And you're trying to convince me that everything's going to be back to normal in three months. And I, you may want to be in that position. I, I mean, that's a nicer place. Yeah. But Well, and again, I, again, I didn't say three months. Okay. But, but I think that when things will go back to the status quo that we had before COVID. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the intention of the government. That's the intention of, or that's the psychological intention of, of uh, the American public as well. Well, can I ask you a separate question on that then? Um, yeah. Do you want things to go back to the way they were? And I really want you to just, just take a second. I mean, do you want things to go back to status quo as they were before? Yes. You do? Yes, I do. Okay, why is that? Um, because... I'm a middle class American and, and things were working for me. Now you, you're looking at the perspective of me, right? Mm-hmm. There's some things that we need to, before COVID, just take COVID out of the picture. It never exist. The virus never existed. There are things that I want to fundamentally change about our society, but doing so during the, the an unprecedented biological disaster is not the thing that I want to see. I want to see us to get back to square one to recuperate, recuperate what we've lost, reevaluate the situation, analyze what went right and wrong, and be able to then change certain things. I want a middle of the road candidate who just brings us back. We get the economy, we get the economy straightened out, and in doing so, we can address some of the things that we were talking about before: universalized healthcare, um, the the disparity gap for uh, for the growing disparity gap for Americans. Those are the things I want to see, but I don't want to, I don't want to tackle all those things during a tumultuous time because it's just so volatile. It's just, it's not, it's not productive. Yeah. Okay. That's totally fair. Here's an argument against going back to square one. The problem with going back to square one is it gives you choices again, when perhaps 
uh, human, humanity having choices could really work against us because so far in the last like whatever years, us being able to have choices about certain things, there are certain things that maybe it would have been better if we hadn't had choices about. And I think that the elephant in the room is global warming. Now, I don't know if you believe in global warming or not. You don't have to answer that question. I don't know. You answer that? Do you want to answer that question? 99% of scientists, 99.9% of scientists agree with, with global warming. You haven't answered the question. Answer the question. Was caused by Kool-Aid pops or something? Is that the, end, the tail end of that sentence? No, I just want to, do you believe in global warming? Yes, of course. Okay, cool. So, you know, I don't think we should go back to square one and then be like, okay, this time we're going to really tackle global warming. The argument for COVID is that it's actually a, a gift Okay, so I'm going to get in trouble, and I'm going to stop talking right now. The argument for COVID is that everybody that's going to be that's going to be the headline. I'm going to change the banner right now. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, we have we have a limited viewership, although that might bring in millions of hates. So I didn't say it, but I'm going to rephrase it and say that COVID is nature's way of pushing back on humanity's overconsumption, overincursion, and like one benefit could be is that it forces us out of climate escalation, not brings us back to square one. And then we're like, okay, we'll do the Paris Accord because Joe Biden's president. It's like, you know, in one way, COVID pandemics, plagues are nature pushing back and saying, you guys are pushing it too far. You're breaking your own ecosystem and you guys need to sit down. We're, I'm not, we're not giving you a choice and you need to calm down, right? That's one argument. Yeah, I agree with you in, in, in the sense of, I have a tweak to that, okay? Yeah, tweak it. Uh, so it's not nature pushing back. Nature is not some sort of all-being sentient force. It's just, it it's the stupidity and greed of, of humankind. No, it's nature. What? It's, no, it's, it's nature. It's human, it's humans doing it to themselves. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's not like Dr. Evil nature. So yes, I agree with you. We've pushed our environment. We've pushed our ecosystem way well beyond the point. It's Malthusian theory, you know. It's, Mal yeah. Right. It's just. It's uh. It's basically the the story of the dwarves in the Lord of the Rings. They start mining. They dig so far down, and they dig, They just keep on going and keep on going until they find goblins, and then they 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 ultimately destroy themselves from greed. That's what we're doing. Right. Okay. I didn't know that reference. I'm not really a big Lord of the Rings guy. Now, this did not work very well. I didn't seem to be able to hypnotize you and so that you would agree with me or anything like that on this. Maybe I have it reversed. Maybe I'm hypnotizing you now and I dehypnotized you in the beginning. This uh, what it is. I came out. Because this, uh, is, this has been one of our more argumentative uh, episodes, although I don't think in a vitriolic way, but perhaps in just a worldview way. Um, and I appreciate your worldview. I just don't know. I don't know. And I'm definitely not a doomer. I have friends who are doomers and I and I have a low tolerance for uh, just dooming out because we've I agree with you. We've seen many things like Zika or the housing crisis where we were told this was the end of the world and it just wasn't. That's that's one of the problems with telling people it's the end of the world because if something really big comes along they're like they have trouble believing you and then they go and protest in in capitals even though there's a pandemic going on because they don't know what to believe. All right, so we'll be back and in good shape tomorrow. Um, uh, you've been listening to The Free Associates. We're on WMUA Amherst. We're also on Facebook Live. We're podcasted, and we have our website, thefreeassociates.us. The sun is beginning to break out from behind the clouds. Waylon, what is your plan? What is your plan? 
I just got a little batch of uh, touch-up paint for Vanessa, so I gotta I gotta give her a little attention. I've been I've been giving the new van a little attention. She's been getting jealous, so I'm gonna go out there. Hopefully, if it doesn't rain, that's what I'm doing. I'm going and that's making good. her look good. Second rain. Listen, I really appreciate that the whole community, but you know, because if you left Vanessa behind, I mean, it would look really bad to have reflection on you. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, in some ways, Vanessa's the first love, so you yeah. gotta take care of Vanessa. All right, folks. Well, thanks so much for being us, uh, with us and the Free Associates, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. And out. All right. You screwed, you screwed me on that beginning when you went, what? your tap of your foot. <laughs> <laughs> I know, bastard. I had it. I had everything perfectly, and now I gotta go into Premiere Pro and fucking take out. You tapping your foot? <laughs> well, listen. Is that my fault or your fault? It was like, it was like. Dun, dun, dun. It was actually me tapping on the the desk to the beat of the song. Yeah, too. I know, and it's, it's sounded, both. It's both of ours. It it's the human. Bad. It's human demise. Yeah, yeah. It sounded bad. And then you're.